Welcome to the Created to Flourish podcast, where we'll explore the believer's call to respond to great global need. In each episode, we'll be reading a chapter from a book called Created to Flourish, co-authored by Peter Greer and Phil Smith, and we'll examine how employment-based solutions empower families to use their God-given abilities to serve their communities. I'm your host, Hannah Ruth, Hope International's Regional Representative in Minnesota. In this episode, we'll talk about how the local church plays a crucial role in serving the community around it and why Hope International incorporates the gospel into its services. If you're just joining the podcast, we'd recommend going back and starting from episode one and listening to the episodes in order. Let's dive in. Chapter 10, Using the Second Best Distribution System, written by Phil Smith. We hope you are convinced that the church's mission is to simultaneously alleviate physical and spiritual poverty. How then can the church unite these two critical missions? Can microenterprise development help the church address both physical and spiritual needs? How might a church-led program differ from a secular one? My quest to answer these questions began when I heard a tirade against the biggest charitable foundation in the world. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation may be the most important social change agent created in the last 50 years, ranted my friend. The foundation will very likely cause important vaccines and medicines to be invented, which will have the potential to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. But I believe it will encounter the same point of frustration facing most international charities. How will these medicines be effectively distributed? Can you imagine a truck driving up to a remote African village with a loudspeaker recording of, come get your magic medicine, it will make your disease go away? No, the distribution and acceptance problems will be as costly and difficult to solve as finding the solutions. My friend made a lot of sense. I was struck by the difficulty of the distribution problem facing those of us who want to help people living far away in desperate conditions. Although I had seen television scenes of food trucks besieged by individuals looking for food, I had never pondered the logistical problems of distributing food, medicines, and information. It is not just the difficulty of getting goods from the place of origin to distribution points, but the continuing problem of gaining the trust of potential users and educating them in the benefits of unknown products. Without good distribution and acceptance methods, no product or service will be widely used. Virtually everybody working in international aid has witnessed this problem. One striking example was the time aid workers drove through Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo after the devastating eruption of Mount Nyitagongo. These workers indiscriminately tossed protein bars out of their vehicle while a crowd of young Congolese children ran after the vehicle, grabbing all they could. Some of the younger children were practically trampled as the faster and more powerful kids hoarded a disproportionate amount. As pandemonium reigned, any onlooker would wonder just how the aid workers would report their successful distribution to supervisors and donors in the United States. I wonder the same thing every time I see a similar scene on television. Even a cursory examination of the acceptance problem reveals the importance of credibility and established relationships. Imagine how you would react if a minor government official or a worker from a charitable organization showed up in your town and insisted that everybody in the community immediately start taking some kind of pills. If you're like me, you would flush your pills down the toilet until you became convinced of their benefit. But if my doctor told me to take the pills, 
I would take them just because I trust Him. Local residents have to first acquire faith in someone coming to help, or they likely won't believe the benefits of the products or the information. In addition to evaluating the efficacy or utility of products and information, many in poverty will evaluate the person or organization bringing the product or information. The people coming to help must establish a relationship with local communities, or they will never be able to communicate the benefits of what they are offering. In the process, both sides probably will have to overcome stereotypes and cultural prejudices. One of the significant problems that MFIs and SCAs face is the failure of past charity efforts. After all, why should a villager take a loan that must be paid back or save their own money when it is possible another charity might soon appear and simply give away money or goods with no strings attached? And why should a village be expected to believe an organization will treat them fairly when other agencies seem to act in random or destructive ways? Without developing trusted relationships, an MFI will find it difficult to get an opportunity to clearly explain the opportunities and benefits it has to offer. The hopeful message of an SCA program is often poisoned by earlier charity, however well-intentioned that charity effort was at the time. When a vaccine or food supplement arrives at its destination, even if it makes it inside the home of a person in poverty, there is no reason to assume it will be used. People must be educated about benefits, use, and reliability. And that's not only difficult, but costly. Throwing money at making better products may not help. The most likely way to ensure acceptance is through the influence of trusted authority figures in the community or local word of mouth. That isn't easy when so many people in poverty are highly influenced by witch doctors or other local authority figures whose importance would be greatly diminished by outside solutions. Sometimes tradition and cultural norms are wise and reliable. Other times they are simply harmful and should be changed. Unfortunately, the history of outsiders coming into communities and making good changes proves not to be any more likely than coming in and making bad changes. Since we Americans are well known for arrogantly believing we know it all, we should take special care to first develop relationships with local community members to make sure we don't make a situation worse because we misunderstood the problem or offered an inappropriate solution. In 2006, the Chalmers Center signed an agreement with Freedom From Hunger, one of the most respected secular relief and development organizations in the world. This agreement allows Chalmers to integrate biblical worldview messages into extensive curricula for training people in poverty in the areas of small business, household financial management, and health. The Chalmers Center has integrated biblical worldview messages addressing the beliefs of animism into the curricula and adapted these for strategic locations in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Brian Fickert, president and founder of the Chalmers Center, tested some of the lessons in the slums of Kampala, Uganda. In one instance, a woman raised her hand and shared, I'm a witch doctor. After last week's lesson, I went back to church for the first time in 20 years. What do I do now? That day, she burned her medicines in front of the group and became a follower of Christ. Not only has that witch doctor been personally freed, but her example has greatly enhanced the ability of Fickert and his colleagues to distribute their information. As we start examining the distribution and acceptance problems in more detail, it is useful to look at the best distribution system in the world. The Best Distribution System 
The church is the best distribution system in the world. This might not be obvious to Americans, even those living in cities with a church building in every neighborhood. Even though large denominations may have tens of millions of members, most of their church congregations are influenced primarily by local leaders. Contrast this to many other churches in the world. In Africa, there are Anglican bishops who exercise immense authority over a million or more church members. In Korea, the Yodo Full Gospel Church, led by Young Hoon Lee, has more than 480,000 members. Chinese house church leaders may exercise some level of authority over many millions of members. All of these numbers pale in comparison to Roman Catholicism's Vatican, which exercises authority over 1.2 billion people, or to the 225 million members of the Eastern Orthodox churches. Pastor and author Rick Warren illustrates this principle through three maps of the western province of Rwanda. In the first map, three dots mark the locations of hospitals. The second map identifies the 26 health clinics that serve 650,000 people. The third map identifies the locations of churches. 726 dots cover the map. This visual powerfully conveys that the church has a far greater scope and scale than virtually any other social entity. Churches around the world are often the most influential distribution systems in their communities. Jobs for Life, a Christ-centered nonprofit working to combat joblessness in the U.S. and around the world, is one organization partnering with this expansive network. Believing that local churches are uniquely poised to help people find meaningful employment in their communities, Jobs for Life equips churches to develop mentoring relationships and provide job training to those in need of work. Trainings include such valuable skills as job searching, networking, integrity, and customer satisfaction. The Second Best Distribution System We believe the second best distribution system for people in poverty around the world is microenterprise development. This approach has already provided capital to hundreds of millions with billions more to come over the next 20 years. Why is it such a good distribution system? Think about a typical SCA or MFI. Its members meet together at regular, often frequent intervals. Its members exercise influence over one another. Its members come in contact with many non-members on a frequent basis. SCA or MFI leaders have a significant amount of actual and implied authority and credibility. If an SCA or MFI teams with a local church, it may benefit from some of the influence of that church. Imagine a community bank meeting held at an open-air church building in the mosquito-infested jungles of Panama. The loan officer collects the weekly payments from 16 borrowers, and then she introduces a nurse to talk about mosquito nets. The local preacher tells them about another church 20 miles away where child deaths have decreased because church members started using mosquito nets. The loan officer then informs the members that she has arranged for another nonprofit to distribute nets for free. She points out that mosquito nets have drastically reduced malaria among her other borrowers who use them regularly. Those influences alone should be enough to get the borrowers to act. However, microfinance makes adoption even more likely. Because of the cross-guarantees, every borrower is at financial risk if other borrowers or their family members get malaria. Between the local pastor, a trusted loan officer, and the social demands of microfinance, there will be immense pressure to accept and use mosquito nets. 
Community banking methodology also provides opportunities for the MFI to share values and beliefs and to mobilize borrowers toward a particular cause. Grameen Bank leveraged its reach to engage its clients in the political process in Bangladesh. Grameen Bank is committed to making sure all of its members and their families vote in every national election. In the 1996 election, 73% of the population turned out to vote, the highest percentage of voters ever recorded there. More women voted in that election than men, another voting record and an indicator of the effectiveness of Grameen's efforts. The following year, local elections were held at the village level. This time, Grameen women not only voted but also became candidates. As a result of this social mobilization, more than 2,000 Grameen members, many of them women, were elected into their local governing bodies. Christ-centered SCAs and MFIs also have the ability to demonstrate and deliver the gospel message. As a Christ-centered network of MFIs and SCAs, Hope International has adopted a three-part model to ensure each program is integrating Christ into all its operations. Disciple staff members, disciple clients in regular operations, and partner with a local church to make disciples who multiply. While partnering with the church may look different in Rwanda than it does in Ukraine, for example, Hope works to make sure each of those three elements is represented in every program. In 2008, a research team visited a variety of clients in Rwanda and asked why they chose Urwego over competing MFIs. The answer was clear and consistent among randomly selected respondents. Because we received the word of God. Staff members are effective in sharing organizational values and beliefs that seem to be highly valued and prized by clients and in sharing the good news of Christ. The Importance of Relationships Loan officers and savings facilitators are the primary point of contact with clients and often become close friends and confidants of those they serve. If the loan officer or savings facilitator is committed to sharing the gospel, they will have many opportunities to share Bibles, invite clients to a church service, or form a Bible study. Ramona is a loan officer with Esperanza in the Dominican Republic. She first got to know Esperanza as a client, using loans to purchase supplies for her business selling meat and sausage. But it was the relational aspect of Esperanza's work that made her want to become a loan officer. I like truly to work with people, she shares. Ramona had experience teaching Bible studies and leading Sunday school, and she wanted to use these skills to serve others. Though she knew she wouldn't make as much money, Ramona began praying for an opportunity to work for Esperanza. When her loan officer was promoted to a supervisory role, Ramona had the opportunity to take her place. Now, through her role with Esperanza, Ramona follows her passion of building relationships and sharing her faith with others. Double Whammy Microenterprise development is an effective method to help alleviate poverty without causing dependency, and it becomes even more powerful when partnered with a local church and Christ-centered ministries. For many years, Hope International has adopted a philanthropic dividends policy in which profitable MFIs in its network donate a certain percentage of their profits to support local children's ministries. This double impact is a primary reason why I am a supporter of Hope. One example of this is the Tomorrow Clubs ministry, which was founded by Hope staff members in Ukraine. These clubs meet one day a week after school for about two hours and are led by members of local churches. The children memorize scripture, 
sing worship songs, participate in local service projects, and play. Through these clubs, the children and their parents are encouraged to attend church or go to small group meetings. Additionally, the parents become aware of Hope's microfinance activities that might be of benefit to them. By the spring of 2016, Tomorrow Clubs had expanded into seven other countries in Eastern Europe, and more than 13,000 children were attending these clubs every week. As members of the Body of Christ, we believe the most important product or service that can be distributed to anyone is the gospel. How can the church partner with MFIs and SCAs to best address physical and spiritual needs? We will attempt to answer these questions in the following chapters as we explore microenterprise development in greater depth. Thanks for joining us on the Created to Flourish podcast. This podcast is a production of Hope International, a global nonprofit that responds to the call to serve those living in poverty by providing discipleship, biblically-based training, a safe place to save, and small business loans. If you're interested in learning more about Hope International, we invite you to check out Hope's website, www.hopeinternational.org flourish.